0: Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. The Seahawks stay at home this weekend. It's throwback week. We're going back to the nineties, and we're welcoming back one of our favorite people, myself, Stuart Court, and Adam Nathan. How are we?
1: I am very well. I got so excited about the Seahawks season that I looked at my calendar <laughs> and I, and I just booked flights for the Eagles game on the seventeenth of December because I, I can't <laughs> stay away right now. I'm 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 pumped by the team. So
0: let's talk about it. This week as well as I said is one of our favorite people. He's calling the game this Sunday, one of the best play by play guys in the game, Mr. Adam Amin. How are we, sir? What's
2: going on, gentlemen. Great to see you and talk with you as always.
0: Uh but, so Adam, for context on Adam's trip, um, I'm not sure a person's ever been more checked out of a of a team's exploits than he was during the summer. So for to get a message yesterday, I'm going to the Eagles game, are oh, you coming? was quite a surprise last <laughs> night i'm excited i
1: I saw the re-signing of frank clark and for some reason
2: that's what spurred it you saw that's what move that's gonna that's that's gonna it's gonna spur this club to uh to incredible heights it wasn't
1: it wasn't even the move in specific in sort of in isolation it's the fact that they obviously wanted to do it you know a goes down you could feasibly just say look all right it's one of those things we're not going to not going to use up any cap space. We'll just, we'll ride it out. We've got a half decent rotation. Let's do it. But the fact they went out and did something so proactively, it kind of got me feeling that they think, what I think that this team isn't that far away and a ball or two only have to break in the right direction for the sky to kind of be the limit. What would the weight make up of the NFC this
2: year? I think so too. The, The NFC has, it's very top heavy. It feels like, you know, the San Francisco 49ers have struggled the last couple of weeks. Philadelphia has been up and down in the last couple of weeks, and you look at teams like Dallas. Uh, you know Pittsburgh or I'm sorry, Pittsburgh. Uh, Minnesota is not where it was uh, last season, which I think a lot of people predicted. But they come off a victory over San Francisco on a Monday night game. It's it's been very topsy turvy. I just saw Pittsburgh and Los Angeles at the Rams game this past week, and the Rams have had some really good moments and they have some impressive offensive runs, and they have. I think, as good of a a wide receiver duo as we have in the league right now in in Cooper Cup and Nakua, but they didn't make plays when they needed to in their game against Pittsburgh this past week. It's a very topsy-turvy conference right now. It's wide open. I look at the Seahawks and feel like there's a legitimate shot to make a real run. What scares me a little bit is their upcoming schedule is exceptionally difficult. This is one of the toughest stretches I think you're going to find in the nfc right now for any team that has to go out the the west has to play the afc north and it just happens to be a year where the afc north might be the most competitive division in the nfl right now so these next two weeks against cleveland and against baltimore are incredibly important this might help shape not determine but shape what the rest of the season is going to look like for seattle
0: I I was in Seattle four years ago when the last played the Ravens and Lamar Jackson was just I'm not looking forward to that next week and <laughs> uh, the person you're after talking to after you after we wrap up here is I'm also not looking forward to that on Sunday against whoever I mean it, it sounds like it might be Jason Peters playing right tackle on Sunday which a 42 year old against the best defensive oh, player in the league through seven weeks is terrifying.
2: Yeah, Jason has been. Uh, this hasn't. This isn't the first time that this would be happening to Jason. Uh, this happened with the Chicago Bears a couple of years ago, where he was basically fishing on a boat in Texas somewhere, and he got a phone call, and suddenly he was starting the next day or next week at left tackle uh, for the Bears. So this is uh, if anybody can do it, it's it's the forty-one year old, forty-two year old Jason Peters. He certainly uh, has the the wherewithal and the knowledge and experience to be able to acclimate himself fairly quickly, and Pete Carroll said as much, but I uh, I would be a little bit concerned as well because, <laughs> again, Miles Garrett is a, a little bit of a different uh, different level of athlete, of, uh, I, I would say, marksman when it comes to playing defense up front. He, he's got a mind uh, for this position that is expanding more than most players who play this position. He's done such a good job at a base as a base edge rusher in this league that, you know, Jim Schwartz comes in the defensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator for Cleveland this year. and We were seeing this a lot more across the league uh, where, you know, I look at Detroit, a team that Seattle saw in week two, uh, Aiden Hutchinson does this a lot. Now he moves around from edge to inside to, you know, how, how the, the numbers are when you look at an offensive line and, and you, you play, you know, a nose, which is right over the center you're playing a three technique or a five technique or a seven or a nine, you know, just kind of getting wider out away from the center. And Miles Garrett can play and be successful in any of those spots. So it's not just the Jason Peters thing. It's it's going to have to be the entirety of the Seattle offensive line. Right. Charles Cross is going to have to be ready. Damian Lewis is going to have to be ready. Evan Brown, uh, assuming that he's you know healthy to play this week he's going to have to be ready over the nose. And Miles Garrett just moves around a lot. Hayden Hutchinson moves around. Aaron Donald does that. Uh, I think the elite pass rushers in this game are understanding that they're not going to get all the sacks, but they're going to get a lot of attention. So what do we do? We try to divert an offensive line's attention and a quarterback's attention in different spots. And so it won't just be on Jason Peters if he is indeed starting at right tackle this week. There's, a, there's going to be a, a collective effort necessary to negate Uh, or at least uh, mitigate some of the things that Miles Garrett does so exceptionally well compared to the rest of the league.
1: When it comes to your job, obviously the majority of people watching the game at that time are going to be fans of the two teams. It's not obviously, well, it obviously goes out nationwide, but the timing of the game is likely going to be majority Seahawks and and Brown fans, we would expect. When you see teams that add wrinkles and do stuff like that, and there's a huge modernization in the game, Obviously, we watch our teams all the time, but then have an expectation that you commentators also have to know Mm -hmm. as much as we do, if not more, which is obviously impossible. But knowing that about, you know, players move around and the modernity of the NFL, what, what sort of things have changed in your time as a commentator that you feel like an obligation to pick up on so that you don't get DMs from fans that I saw you responding to unbelievably politely a couple of weeks ago. But <laughs> you know there's going to be stuff and people saying, well, that's not right because I know this about my team and why don't they know that? But it, are there little wrinkles of the game that you've had to pick up on uh, and stuff that you say, well, I need to know about this?
2: So I wrote this down. I've got my laptop in front of me. So I'm, I'm working on uh, on my charts right now, which uh, which are always fun. So I'll actually show this to you a little bit these are the charts that I work on over the course of the week. And these aren't even remotely close to oh, being done, that's Amazing, but these are the, you know, these are the, the the pages that we work on. You know, that's the Cleveland, there's the Seattle offense, et cetera. So I wrote down this note, uh, in, in the, in my board right here. So this is a uh, basically what we're seeing with the nickel and the three safety usage. Right. So I have that note in there for the time being, and I'm going to, dive into that a little bit further this weekend as we meet with seattle we'll we'll talk with them tomorrow uh we'll talk with pete we'll talk with uh geno smith and we'll talk with some of the guys in the defense and what what i'm trying to figure out is i read that article right and it says that you know seattle struggled early in the season when devin witherspoon was hurt but now that they're kind of uh, a little bit more whole on the back end they can do the things that clint hurt wants them to do and they can utilize guys like jamal adams and julian love and Slide, you know, Devin Witherspoon over into that nickel spot and let Reek Woolen be kind of your coverage say, uh, coverage corner, and Mike Jackson can rotate in. But you want to lean on Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, Devin Witherspoon in the middle with Julian Love. So I want to know a little bit further uh, how that affects a game plan for this particular week because that's a wrinkle that most of you have either read about, probably have seen, probably have identified in some form or fashion, and even if you didn't know the specifics of it oh, well, that's clearly Devin you know, sliding over into the slot corner spot. Even if a fan doesn't know that, he probably he or she probably notices something a little bit different on the back end where, oh, Jamal Adams is playing with Julian Love or Devin Witherspoon is playing with all those safeties. That's interesting. I, I, I feel like it's it's an obligation for me, not just for the fans' sake, but because we're trying to be as current as possible as we cover the game and see how it's going to affect that particular week's game plan to ask about it, see if that's a trend that is going to continue this week. Uh, ask Hurd Is this something that? How did this come up? You know, and I'm sure that's something that Seahawks fans have probably known for a couple of weeks. But for us diving back in, parachuting back in to do a Seahawks game, uh, it becomes a, a little bit more of of a catch up process. So it's a balance, Adam. I think it's trying to balance the things that you guys already know and trying to push them ahead and kind of advance those storylines as best as we can and also to kind of catch everybody else up, to catch up a, a Cleveland Browns fan that's not really going to understand why their defense, why the back end has been effective in, in, in I would say, a majority of the games this season. Not every game. Obviously, the, the Seahawks have had some games where they've given up yards and points, but overall fairly decent on defense and they were very good last week, especially with this kind of formation and and this personnel grouping on the defensive side. So that's an example of, of kind of an in-depth thing that I need to know about that Seahawks fans will probably expect me to know, and that Browns fans will probably be interested to hear about, and then obviously nationally, anybody who's watching on you know the the Sunday ticket or they're you know they're in that city or whatever they you know on red zone that we have in America, like whatever you're watching, you know, we'll inform as best as we can on things like that.
0: Yeah, I think me uh, haven't talking with the rest of the Silver's fan base, Devin Witherspoon. I don't think I've ever, I can't remember the last time we had a rookie who made such an instant. Well, we we've talked a few times this year about vibes, like swagger and everything that like he yeah. obviously Jamal Adams is Jamal Adams, he's bought it, but Spoon like instantly has just brought it all, and it's kind of like fermented over the last well month, Adam really mm. schedule really because like twelve hours ago you were calling a Bulls opener like your life is wildly busy but also you've just wrapped up calling baseball games all season with HHS I think it's sort of me I've always said to you every time you've been on it's just it's mad that you can go from literally DeMar Rosen 12 hours ago to Miles Garrett in about an hour and a half <laughs> it's 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 like it, it, is it something like you just like not, not keep keeps you going but like does, is it still a buzz to it that you can you you get you, you get this opportunity you get to see or see this and talk about this and work with people like Dow Johnson and A.J. Kaczynski as well along the way?
2: I mean, it's... uh, you're, you're touching on the right thing here, Stuart. It's it's a boost every day. You know, It's something different for the most part every day. And it's chasing something that is important to me, which is just doing a good job, which is doing a job that I enjoy doing and doing it well, or at least attempting to do it well, depending on uh, the eye of the beholder and the, the ear of the beholder, but... <laughs> Uh, I, it it does give me a little bit of a of a jolt every week, and I'm and I'm not gonna pretend, you know, that I'm not exhausted at times. You know, I have a <laughs> lot of late nights, a lot of co- a lot more coffee than I I've become a coffee drinker, which I think is perfect for the fact that we're going to Seattle this week. But uh, I've become more of a coffee drinker in the last uh, year, I think, because of some of these later nights that, you know, I'm I'm up and I'm up till two three o'clock in the mornings some of these weeks and. The month of October is certainly the most stressful uh, when baseball playoffs are, are, you know, getting going and we're deep diving into two teams. And, you know, I'm in the background getting ready for the Bulls and and the NBA season, and I'm still maintaining my NFL schedule. You know, these are the this month is is the toughest, toughest, you know, I'll use quotations around that month for me in terms of just how hectic it is. You know, I have a I have a significant other who lives in uh, in a different city, so. You know, she and I are trying to figure things out as well and and make sure that we make time for each other and, and find pockets of time to either fly to go see each other or whatever it may be. So, you know, that that part is is part of it, too. Real life is part of it. My, I have a mom who's a little bit older. I, I take care of. I have brothers that, you know, have kids that I care a lot about. So it, everything is is important, you know, at, at all times, it feels like. and And the weight of all that can get a little heavy, but it's all good stuff. You know, it's all stuff that we're thankful to be able to do. The job is something I'm thankful to be able to do. And it does give me a little bit of a boost every time I start a new spotting board. And I'm like, hey, I remember seeing this guy, or I remember this player, or I remember this team, or uh, I remember this conversation I had, or I'm excited to see a couple of four and two teams, you know. Even seeing Cleveland, you know, squeak out a victory that maybe uh, maybe they shouldn't have had necessarily mm-hmm. with some of the penalties that went against Indianapolis on Sunday. Uh, and see, hey, they ended up 4-2. and two. Hey, the Seahawks beat the Cardinals. They're 4-2. and two. We have one of the best games of the week this week, and to see that and, and kind of be able to use that as a refresher, see that the Bulls are starting up the season this week, that's exciting, uh, even if the, the result wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I, I think you have to kind of generate a little bit of that excitement and understand that this is a pretty cool thing that we get to do, and even on the days where it doesn't feel like it, it still is. So it's like anybody else, you know, you, you motivate yourself in whatever fashion you can. And I'm thankful because the things that I get to do are easily uh, motivating because they're fun and they're exciting and people care. You know, I've got friends like you that, that care about these things. So uh, that's a big deal for me.
0: Uh, obviously, the last couple of times we've spoken to you, you've been working with much. So this, this week is Daryl Johnston. Just, I think you were with him in LA as well. What, what's, yeah. what, what's that like? Kind of like... It's not, working with a, a different voice on your on your left shoulder
2: I'd say it's you know it, it it's it keeps it a little bit more engaging too you know to, to work with somebody else for a few weeks you know i, I do this because our buddy joe davis is uh on the now getting ready to call the world series so uh i'm you know on the hierarchy of the nfl on fox i'm right behind him so i'm happy to jump in and work with daryl and pam for a couple of weeks or for a month whatever it ends up being uh but that that's something i've I've always been comfortable with, you know, when we worked at ESPN, I worked with something like 120 <laughs> different analysts over the course of all the sports that, that I was fortunate enough to cover. You know, you you cover eight or nine different sports, especially basketball because there's so many different games and you work with however many people you're going to work with over the course of the season, just working different conferences or uh, non-conference season, you're, work, you know, you're getting assigned with a lot of different people. So I got used to different voices, different cadences, different rhythms and, habits of people next to me but I work with Stacey King on on Bulls games and he's his own entity you know he's (laughs) he's his own personality uh I work with Mark Schlereth for the most part uh during the NFL season and he's his own personality and Daryl's a little bit more reserved and it's easier to kind of you know uh lock in on something but be able to to rib him a little bit on on a couple things so I I'm fortunate that I get to work with all these different voices you mentioned AJ Pruszynski we had Adam Wainwright you know, recently retired from the, from major league baseball after 18 years in the league. And he jumped back in with us for the playoff series. So that was new. So, you know, you get used to it, but I I've, I've always been used to it. You know, when, when you first start out doing this job, you're going to work with a lot of different people. And that's been the case for me. I've been fortunate to do that because you, A, get to meet new people and you get to make friends with some of those people. And, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, you also get used to being malleable. You know, you get used to being flexible when it comes to doing this job and i think that's the the best thing you can do is try to make people feel comfortable and i'm i'm fairly chameleonic in my habits i don't i'm not rigid in how i do my job i think i'm very flexible and i'm willing to adapt to the person next to me to make them feel comfortable and typically that leads to hopefully some easy rapport and, and an easy listen for whenever you tune in to hear myself and whoever i'm lucky enough to be working with i
1: don't think we can take all of the credit for the rise of your career. So I don't want to be that arrogant,
2: but- (laughs) But a large portion. You know, there's (laughs) obviously, if you're looking
1: at, if you're looking at the pie chart, the ped pod is obviously taking up a decent, you know, a decent slice. But but, very fair. What I think is interesting is that three years ago when we first spoke, Stuart and I, whenever you were doing an NFL game, we would text like Adam's on and it would be like quite a cool thing. And now with all due respect to you in the best way possible, we don't text each other when you're on because your kind of feet are under the table and you're an an nfl guy like we we are so used to it It will be weird to not hear you on a on a red zone sure. on, on sunday which yeah you know, for us i think is really cool we love to see guys that we speak to flourish and it's great but as you do more and more you know when you presumably when you start out and it's not your first game you've ever commentated on you've built up to the nfl but there's stuff you'll be excited about to commentate in the nfl how does that change sort of 4 or 5 years down the line when you're doing stuff like that? you're about to speak to miles garrett you said Is there like, is it the individual players or knowing which stadiums you're going to or which teams you're going to see or which coordinators, as your career is is progressing and blossoming, is there different stuff that you're finding exciting and motivating than what it was at the start?
2: I think so. I I feel like, uh, you know, last year I checked off the final stadium uh, in the current NFL off my list. I had never called a game in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And finally I did a Cowboys bears game last season at AT&T stadium in, in Arlington. And that was the last one I had, that was the last <laughs> thing I, I wanted to check off my list in the NFL for all the teams that are currently playing. So that was fun. Um, seeing individual players, uh, you know, I hadn't, uh, and, and the meetings too, like, like you were talking about Adam, like it's nice to meet with these, with these players and get their insights. And, and more so, I don't, I don't fanboy over anybody. I don't get very excited. Like, I can't believe I'm going to get to do and And I get flustered and things like that. It's more so I have a lot of respect for what this person does in their job on the field. I want to know what kind of person they are. And that actually kind of can lead you to some disappointment. Because if you have some expectations on, you know, what type of personality somebody's going to have and they don't live up to those things, you go, well, I guess I guess that, that that's that. You know, you don't really... <laughs> You know, I guess uh, my, my perception of this person won't be the same anymore. You know, I, I, I was excited to meet Tom Brady, to, to talk with Tom Brady when I first started doing games at Fox. I had covered him. I had done plenty of Patriots games on national radio, but you don't get that access to sit down with a player for 20 minutes on a Friday uh, before they get ready for that particular game like you do on the TV side. So when I got to Fox and, you know, I was scheduled for a Tampa Bay game week two of the season that they won the won the Super Bowl like, that was awesome, like, to meet with him and and kind of just get a sense for him, you know, regardless of what you may think or feel about Tom Brady, he still has the resume that that is as good as any athletes in American history, in American sports history, so uh, that was exciting to me. I like meeting with new new head coaches uh, that are in that position now. I, I enjoyed meeting with Jonathan Gannon, you know, this past year when he's uh, taking over for Arizona as the head coach for the first time. It's nice to kind of get Uh, so Sean McVay, we just met with Sean this past week. We didn't tell the story because I, I didn't think it was my place to do it, but he told us that he and his wife were going to induce this, this coming week after the game. And he told us what he was going to name his son. (laughs) He said it was, it was going to be Jordan, John McVay, the John for his grandfather, John McVay, of course, who was a longtime executive in the NFL. And I wasn't going to tell that story. Because again, it wasn't my place to reveal you know your personal if he says, yeah go ahead and say it, I'll, I'll happily tell that story. but uh, I, I said specifically I was like how's your wife how's Veronica doing Because I had talked to Sean in the past and you know he said, oh, she's doing great. We're gonna induce this week. That was the plan the whole time. Hopefully it doesn't you know it doesn't go out of whack on Sunday and, and I'll be coaching. but uh, I was like, did you pick out a name And go- And I said, I'm not gonna say it. I I'll let, I'll let you guys decide but did you pick out a name? He goes, yeah Jordan John. And he talked about how, how meaningful that was. And that's a, that's a cool conversation to have with somebody mm-hmm. that's in the position that, that these people are in, to be able to kind of deep dive a little bit further into their personal lives, to give a little bit of a sense of personality and, and time and space and what, what they're doing and what, what is important to them. I, I think it's awesome. And while it may not benefit us over the course of the broadcast that particular day, that forges a little bit of a relationship going forward. So I think that's that's what gets me more excited now as I get a little bit more used to the idea of calling games, calling bigger games and being in these venues. It's what, what are these people, what, what makes them tick? What are they like? And, and to be able to share those things, I think is pretty cool.
1: JJ um, McVeigh sounds like someone that's going to absolutely tear the Seahawks up on third down. Really yeah. Are, yeah,
2: I do, I, I, maybe somehow the draft picks go your way. Maybe he ends up playing against the Rams sometimes. Yeah, we're going to need him. <laughs> yeah. is,
1: is like, he's, he sounds like Cooper Cup in uh, 2045. <laughs> yeah. This JJ McVeigh. Yeah, it has a very good wide
2: receiver, slot receiver you know, tone to it, doesn't it? Yeah, Ugh. sneaky
1: fast. You can hear him sneaky fast already, definitely. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if, if if it was Pete, it'd be the wide receivers coach already because I think half his family. So, uh, uh, with, with with the balls back and obviously building up to the game on Sunday, what, what's your, so what, what goes into the next three seventy two hours for the game for you and for Daryl? So you zoom. Who, who did you request? Who you talk to on, on the teams or do they? Yeah, uh, we we get to.
2: Work? We basically get to give a list of the people. Now every week we'll talk to Pete Carroll, you know, just for the sake of the Seahawks example, we would talk to Pete Carroll, of course. uh, And we want to talk to Clint, uh, Clint Hurt, because we want to get a sense for the defense that week. Uh, But we like talking with Pete for the, for the CEO aspect of it. He's got such a great pulse for his team. Pete has as good of a pulse for his team as any coach I've, I've dealt with. He just always seems to have a great idea as to where they're at and, and, you know, is, is great to work with and, and listen to talk about his club. And then we'll almost always get the quarterback. So obviously we're going to talk to Gino this week and then we'll get to a point where we can ask for, you know, two to three more players and they may not always be available, but for the most part, they they will be. And that's, that's always a good thing to have uh, access to, you know, maybe the guy that made the big play last week who doesn't get as much, you know, attention. Maybe we, we can get a chance to talk with him. So, I've always loved talking with Bobby Wagner, Um, you know, before he departed Seattle for the one year in Los Angeles. He was just a a middle linebacker is always a great person to talk to. Um, We're going to talk with PJ Walker today from the Cleveland Browns. He's getting the nod at quarterback. We weren't planning on talking with PJ because we were kind of under the impression that Deshaun Watson, you know, will probably be back in this week at some point. And then, you know, we heard yesterday that it will be PJ Walker. So immediately our producer, contacted the Browns and said, can we just get PJ and Miles Garrett tomorrow when we talk with the players? So they were kind enough to say, of course, you know, he's the starting quarterback and, and one of the best defensive linemen in the game and the most impactful player. So of course we'll we'll set that up for you. And then Saturday, uh, we'll talk with Jim Schwartz and Kevin Stefanski in the morning. So what we'll, we spread some of these meetings out. Uh you guys saw my charts. Those are a constant work in progress over the course of uh, you know, the time from about Tuesday when I really start uh, beginning to prepare that week's game. Uh, I try to give myself Monday away from football. I'll watch the Monday night game, but I try to just not pay attention to anything too deep on Monday. And uh, on Tuesdays, when the the stories for that week start to come out, so Tuesday, Wednesday are are big like initial prep days. Uh, Thursday's a, a meeting day. Friday's a big meeting day with the home team. Saturday is is oftentimes a a travel day with some meetings, and then Saturday night, I want to be done because I want to go into our production meeting uh, at about 6 p.m. local time and and be completely ready and be able to uh, collaborate with, with my teammates and with our crew members and say, Hey, I've got an idea for this. I'd like a graphic on this. Hey, I saw this video that you were doing on this. Uh, can we use it at this spot, this spot? We start to plan. Uh, it's not exactly the parallel of what an offensive or defensive coordinator is, is doing during a game planning week, but I have felt like the parallels are, are similar to what I think head coaches or coordinators go through over the course of the week to try to plan out, you know, that Sunday's game plan. So it's it's fun to kind of uh, enjoy that parallel. And, and now we're getting into the point of the season where the rhythm of the season, the cadence of the week is starting to settle in.
0: I saw a video on Instagram, I think, with you and uh, Julia Stewart-Binks. Where she got you? She got you to get someone into one of your play-by-play calls. I think is that right?
2: Uh, I, I, yeah, we were talking about uh, yeah. That's uh, so
0: yeah. what one one of our guys. Uh, mm-hmm. uh it's not really pickle-based team Apart from inside our group chat, shout out to Dave Sayers. But he, if you could get both squared when if Jake Bobo makes a, makes a play on Sunday, that would. Uh-huh. For like six of us in the group chat would make our uh, NFL seasons. So, yeah, Jake Bobo is both squared. Bo squared. Bo
1: squared. Man, what a, what a what a what a
2: great what a great story he is though. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, that the catch he made was obviously incredible. But you know, this guy's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career, and his, you know going back to his college days. And I, I think it's you know the son of a coach, and you know, we know that 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 name pretty that as soon as we heard that name. You know, we're like, oh, is that? And, and sure enough, it was. So um, I'm, I'm I'm really excited to see what this wide receiving core can do. I, I think we came into the year uh, thinking DK, Lockett, Smith and Jigba. I mean, it might be arguably turned into one of the best trios in the league. Uh, you don't have a lot of teams with this much depth. And with Jackson dealing with injury early and kind of seeing what the rotation has become, you know, to see somebody like Jake step in and and make an impactful play you know last week when they needed it most and to to have that that type of dexterity and mobility and awareness I mean that was that was an incredible that was one of the best catches I've seen in a long time but that's typical I I feel like for the Seahawks you know this is what this is what they teach you know the this is the mechanics they teach DK and Tyler Tyler might be the best toe tapping receiver in the league right now you know and he has been for for quite some time I remember we had a Carolina game last year or it may, may have been the Arizona game and he caught one of the back of the end zone and I yelled out vintage Tyler Lockett. You know, Hmm. that's that's what Tyler Lockett does. So it's kind of cool to see Jake Bobo kind of follow suit.
1: Might be difficult to explain this without veering towards the cliche, but if possible, you know, the Pete Carroll way he builds his team, leads his team, for a few years it, it caused me to eye roll a bit because I didn't necessarily think the team were performing to the level of the players and, you know, to expectation. But, you know, as I said earlier at the start, I feel super energized by this team. They're clearly... Have managed to turn over the roster in the last two years that's caused yeah. you know some real juice back in it doesn't feel like in the last three or four years they've been kind of it has to happen this year or what we're going to do for now it feels like it's a project building but in terms of in your meetings with pete what what have you seen or what do you see in him that can illustrate and, and explain how he's this guy that can almost transcend age and culture to get people on board because it's pretty remarkable for someone of his age to be able to energize people 50 years his senior, his, his junior.
2: Uh, I mean, you see it on the sidelines during pregame warmups, right, where he's got his gloves on and he's throwing the ball and, you know, he's involved with everybody. I saw some uh, clips the other day. I think he was doing an interview with uh, Carissa Thompson, who was a big Seattle. She's a Seattle girl and a, mm-hmm. and a Seahawks fan. Um, and the video clips that they were showing of him and Gino and just like how like if he's, he's an affectionate guy with a lot of his players, he's he's I, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I point that out because, you know, the, you recognize, you know, your own traits and other people. I'm a very uh, affectionate person. I hug everybody. I'm a big hugger. Um, I, I just I, I like to show people that I care about them, you know, through through things like that. And I feel like Pete's very similar and people appreciate that. At least the guys around him seem to appreciate that. Um I think empowerment is a word that I would use for Pete. He seems like he really wants to empower the people that he entrusts with his livelihood, essentially, you know, the, the players that, that he puts out there, he seemingly wants to give confidence to and give them a a sense of ownership of what they're doing. And these are things that most coach, you would imagine most good coaches do. Um, but I, I think so coaches do it in different fashions. Mike Tomlin might be my favorite coach to deal with in professional sports in America. He is just there. There's a way about him, the way he speaks to you, the way he looks at you, um, the way he candidly discusses the topics that are important to him, the way he makes you feel engaged and, and uh, like a contributing member of that discussion or conversation. We're just in there for half an hour, 40 minutes talking with him. I can't imagine what it's like every day if you have a coach that makes you feel that way, you know, because there are coaches that don't make you feel that way. They're kind of doing their own thing. And, you know, I, I think different coaches do it in different fashions. And Pete, I think the way he instills players with a certain feeling is, uh, of confidence, of empowerment, of ownership, you know, Kyle Shanahan does it a little bit differently. He's a very collaborative head coach where, you know, that way you feel like you you're really involved in what's happening. Whereas Pete, I feel like has an idea, has a plan for how he wants things to go, but empowers you to, to thrive in those systems. And and I think there are, these are very nuanced things to think about, but I think that's what makes Pete Pete, you know, for him to be in his seventies. So at 72 years old and, and making, you know, 25 year olds feel like, you know, they're on top of the world. It's not an easy thing to do. These are volatile emotional beings right now. And, and not to get old man on the lawn here yelling at a cloud, uh, Mode here but you know younger players kids coming out of college are different than 10 years ago you know their mentality is different their attitudes are different their entitlement good or bad is different and i think to be able to be any coach uh, in professional sports and understand that and be able to thrive off that regardless of it uh, i think is a very impressive thing to do and i think pete is is as good as anybody in the nfl at, at understanding that
0: but as i said at the start it is throwback um the throwback game for the Seahawks on Sunday. Does that mean you're going to be dusting off your Channel 4 News team? Attire, I, A few <laughs> get our, our,
2: uh, I was thinking we could do uh, our mustard yellow, you know, like Howard Cosell used to do on, uh, on ABC on Monday Night Football, just those ugly, not this color, I hope, but like this, uh, the ugly mustard yellow ABC sport coat or something. We'll get one for Fox.
1: It, it, I was thinking about, you know, we spoke a couple of years ago and two years ago I was a caterer and two years two years later today I'm still a caterer. But in terms of my life, everything has changed with family, got kid, dog, house, everything's different. And you were a commentator two years ago and you're a commentator today. But judging from some of the stuff you do on Instagram with the DJing and which, which looks really cool, like how has your life changed? Like what other stuff are you doing outside? Because I think people do get so pigeonholed in your profession of like oh that's adam Amin. he's an nfl or sports commentator and you just which is understandable but that's all people think you are and you do but there seems to be so much more diversity to some of the stuff you're able to do so what what's changed for you in the last couple of years because it looks like you've been on a really cool journey
2: it's been it's been fun uh i i i did that for a long time the djing thing it's it's funny i have the the, i'm in my office right now and that's set up (laughs) back there too but uh it's just something that i did for a long time i did it professionally for a long time i i used to work in the industry and uh it was something that i just stopped doing when i started this particular career and i i guess to follow the Stuart throwback question i guess this is a little bit of a throwback for me personally <laughs> well um I, I think uh it's once you get into a little bit of a rhythm of this you know like you said having done this for now it's my fourth season with the bulls fourth season with box sports. So the, the rhythm of the seasons uh, is a little bit more comfortable. And so I'm a little bit more acclimated to it now than I, than I was before. So being able to find time to do other things and to, you know, not completely get caught up with just dive deep diving every single day into the numbers and, uh into trends and reading just about these sports it's nice to kind of do something creative i i I loved music as a kid i was a performer as a kid you know i I worked in theater i worked in choir i played violin for a long time uh i I, you know played the guitar for a long time i learned the piano a few years ago it's you know music is a really important thing for me and the DJing thing was just something to be able to do and, and do creatively uh it's that scene in wolf of wall street where matthew mcconaughey is talking about you know the acidic above the shoulders mustard shit and you know he's talking about how these these digits can just eat at your brain and and kind of wig you out a little bit uh this is a nice release you know it's a different thing to be able to do and and to be able to enjoy so i appreciate you asking it's just it's just something different and to be able to kind of find time to fit that in uh that's been a big deal for me i think it's been important so that now in the month of october when i'm looking at my calendar and it's pretty much stacked with games and assignments and it's a non-stop work week this week uh you know having knowing i have an outlet to be able to do something a little bit different is big for me
0: yeah um you know, we don't want to keep you too much on because like you said miles garrett is not someone you want to keep uh waiting around <laughs> we do a thing on here with the we put things and people and teams and everything in the bin. country city can go in the bin after last night but that's a different <laughs> topic um the our referees are getting a lot of stick and some of that comes from the game that you called on Sunday with just the wildest fourth down spot of a football yeah. I've ever seen. Obviously, the you NFL know, try and like change up, but the fact they've got set, not full, was it uh, part time referees, and they still use chain links to decide minimum like the amount of money that's gambled on that game on Sunday yeah. was affected by a 40, 50 year old guy doing his job. When he, when really he's not really given the full tools. What, what I mean, that is it's just a wild spot, wasn't it? It's like a, a yard difference.
2: One yard determined uh, a lot of money. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> right. Um, I don't think about the gambling aspect as much of it, no, but, no, it does. No, no. but it does no, but I, I, I think it's a very important thing. You know, it's it's a thing that does come up because it is a lot of the audience, you know. I, I it may not be the part of the business that I'm keen on and or or that I care that much about consuming. But I know a large part of the audience does. So for them, uh, it's very important. And, and then for the integrity of the game, you know, for the people like me who, want, who don't gamble, who don't have any interest in the betting side of it uh, personally, it's it's still important to keep the integrity of the game. And you know, I've, I've been saying this for the last several years. You know, I know uh, my old uh, broadcast partner, Pat McAfee, uh, was saying this on his show the other day. Like, I don't I've been saying this for six years. I don't understand why NFL officials aren't full-time officials. I've I've been thinking about this since the, the fail Mary game, going back to the green Bay Seattle days when the referees were on strike and you had replacement reps. And I thought that would have been the thing that would have helped trigger this to, to advance forward. But when you get to a point where you are a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry, and this much money is now in your system economically for the consumer, for the uh, participant, for the participants, the coaches, players, et cetera, when the league has this much at stake, why wouldn't you invest – this is one of the best things you can invest in is the quality of the officiating of the game. Mm -hmm. They've done a great job, I think, overall, and with some blind spots, but overall trying to advance the – feel for the game for the players the safety is getting is getting more advanced you know the safety measurements are getting more advanced they have put medical guidelines in place to prevent injured players or uh, concussed players and things of that nature from playing in these games or trying to keep the player safety and more of a forefront so you're putting all this investment in the product but that's like you know that's like washing your car and not fixing the the engine. You know, like th- this is a really important thing that holds up the structure of the game in in an important fashion. So why you want to invest in, in referees full time, make this a priority going forward. I think uh, over the course of the next several years, because the integrity of the game, for those of us who don't care about the gambling is at stake. And for those who do care about it, there is money and there is there are economic issues riding on these games. So. I'm with you on that, Stuart. I, I, I don't understand why that hasn't taken place. I hope that that will continue to, to be a factor in a conversation because I, I think it's important enough to warrant it. And examples like what, what I saw in Los Angeles with a brutal spot. and and listen, the rule book is the rule book. I understand you don't want to adjust for individual events, but uh, I, I do think it's important to have the people who are in charge of the governance of the game. Be at the highest possible level. I, I deal with it in major league baseball, too. We, we struggle with umpires making really bad calls. We talk about it in the NBA. I think the NBA is actually ahead of the game when it comes to officiating and how vocal uh, and how open NBA officiating is in terms of at least recognizing and, and understanding its mistakes and trying to improve upon it
1: last one just uh you know the the, the the key question you can only eat one team's press box and or meeting food for the rest of your life <laughs> the rest of your career which which team's getting the nod
2: seattle is in the top five strictly because they have the omelet bar in the morning if you mm-hmm. ever if you're ever in the seattle uh seahawks press box they have the morning omelet bar where they make them fresh it's pretty good uh tampa bay i was there a couple of weeks ago is excellent uh Baltimore is outstanding. Uh, I'm, I would have, I would probably say, I'd probably go with Tampa Bay. They got okay. the prime, rib, they have a prime rib station and a turkey station and a vegetarian station. They've got a bunch of stations you can go around and get a bunch of food. I think Tampa Bay is probably number one on the list.
0: Last time I, uh, I recommended maybe trying um Barrio Queen in Arizona. Sorry, my niece is going wild in the background. Um, Peco's Pit. If you have got time on on Sunday, down near Starbucks HQ, is always just not the first place me and go to when we go to Seattle. It's uh, barbecue, and it's just it's elite. So if you have time on Sunday, uh, also talking of trips over to America, Adam, uh, the Seahawks are in Chicago next year, so we'll have to do this in person next. So, Hundred uh,
2: percent. That sounds like an excellent plan, and, and please, please, please keep me in mind as you guys, uh, if you guys make a trip out here, I'd I'd love to see you guys. I'm Thank looking you. forward to my hug already. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll right. have one ready for you, my friend. Brilliant. Uh,
0: uh, as, as everyone listens, has probably picked up on. You are a, a ridiculously busy man in October, so we really do appreciate you jumping on with us this week. Uh, enjoy talking to Miles and all the Seahawks guys over the next few days. Look forward to hearing you call the game. Uh, where can people catch you on socials and? if there's any Bulls fans out there i do not Not sure it's on, it's on a different channel this year over here but I'm not sure how often the Bulls are going to be on if uh, we, the first game is any indication
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully better things to come but yeah. Uh, yeah looking forward to it my friends thank you add, add, just add Adam and me and I'll be on and uh, you guys can catch me anytime Well, cool. thanks Cheers. so much thanks boys